Welcome to Thoughts Off the Stem. I'm Justin Baroni, and today we're smoking <laughs> a little bit of citrus kush. I don't know why that was funny, but it's funny, baby. <laughs> we're still going strong with Kong. I know I didn't hit it as hard this time as I did last time, but that's basically because I can't hit it that hard if I don't have somebody else here to talk. <laughs> but yeah. So in the bong today, we're smoking a little bit of citrus kush. As always, because I, like I've said before, it's the perfect sativa for me. <coughs> Hits me right in the eyes, keeps me awake, gets me thinking, creative a little bit, and then uh, keeps me talking, <laughs> which is always good for a podcast, right? Right, of course. So this week, I figured... Oh yeah, sorry. And then in the uh, pre-rolls this week, I'm going to smoke... Well... This is the general admission taster pack, okay? It is infused pre-rolls. They're half grams, there were three of them. Um, Tiger Blood was one of them. It was at 30.48%. 30 uh, Rainbow Sherb, which is at 38.49%. Peach Rings, which is at 35.59%. So I've already smoked the Tiger Blood. It was pretty good. It had a little bit of like a weird distillate taste after. So, it wasn't like my favorite, but it was a nice high. Um, Rainbow Sherb, I haven't tried yet. And I, the other one I smoked was uh, the Honeydew Boba by them. And basically what it is, is it's a half gram um, weed infused with resin and then wrapped in keef. <laughs> it's super fucking strong. Super fucking strong. So strong to the point where the first time I had one, which was the Honeydew Boba, I took it over to a buddy's house because I wanted to, Bo's house, I wanted to try, I wanted to try it and I wanted to see what other people thought of it too. So, and I also knew that as a, because it was an infused one, it would be like a pain in the ass to actually smoke on my own, right? Or I would thought anyway. So <laughs> I get over to Bo's place. We smoked... A half gram of um, platinum cookies. Platinum cookies? Yes, platinum cookies. We smoked a half gram of that, and then we smoked uh, some GP20, and then we smoked that honeydew boba, the infused, you know, wrapped in keef one. And dude, I took two or three hits off that, and it was. Game over. Not really. I wasn't game over, but I had to. I only took two or three hits, and then I had to put it out because it was just too much, um, and I got really high really fast. Now I had already been pretty high, so you know, take it for what it's worth. But basically, this is how the story went. I got in trouble for this. <laughs> so, I, we, Bo and I lit this thing. I took two puffs. I started hacking like a crazy person on the first puff um, because I pulled it like you pull a joint, like, and a nice big hit. Try to take it in, right? Well. You can't do that with some of these infused ones. You have to hit it like one, two, three, pass, like your puff, puff, passing it, as opposed to taking a big fill your lungs draw, because then it hits you in the back of the throat and you start to cough like a crazy person. So I'm hacking away. <laughs> I take one more hit just to add to the tough time I'm having, <laughs> and I hand it over to Bo, and he starts smoking it. He goes to hand it back. I'm like, no, man, I'm good. So we left it alone, and then uh, we didn't smoke any more of it that night. Yeah, and then I ended up leaving it at his place. This was like a Friday night. I figured I have the weekend off, so I'll see him again, right? 
Well, I left it there. I didn't go back Saturday. Um, wait, did I go back Saturday? Yeah, I did go back Saturday. Because I woke up to a text from Bo basically saying, Hey, man, this stuff tastes like that uh, pink popcorn you get at the circus. <laughs> and I was like, what? He's like, yeah, I tried a couple more puffs this morning, and that's what this shit tastes like. And I was like, oh, man, I got to come over and try it. So I drove over, and I tried it. <laughs> and it does. That's exactly what it tastes like. Pink popcorn from uh, the circus. So if you, if you want to know what a honeydew boba tastes like, that's what it tastes like. Um, so we, I had, again, two more puffs off it. I was good. I hadn't smoked anything else at that point. So those two puffs were solid. Um, I left it alone again. Um, and then I left to go back up, back to my, uh, to my place for the night. I left the joint there. Sunday comes around. I don't see Bo. Monday, I get, uh, Monday, nothing. And I figure, okay, well, he probably hasn't smoked it. My bad. <laughs> Shouldn't have thought that. <laughs> figure he should, he probably didn't smoke it. So um, I left it. Next weekend, I come by. I'm like, hey, you got any more of that joint left? He goes, no, not at all. I had to throw it out. I was like, what the fuck? You threw out my weed, dude? You threw out my weed, dude. <laughs> so I guess what had happened was, <laughs> he, I'll have him on the show to explain it. But there, I saw there were two other friends of ours that came over the same day that I did. And basically, um, they said that the whole weekend, when, they, when I was gone and they saw him, he, they couldn't tell if he was high or drunk or what, but he was fucked up. <laughs> like, he explained that he had one eye open, one eye closed. Half of him was out, and half of him was wide awake and raring to go. <laughs> it was a, apparently quite the sight. So, then um, Bo's wife, Jenny, comes home, and she goes, Hey, you, no more of that, no more of that infused shit around here, okay? <laughs> so I'm not allowed to take infused stuff over to Bo's house anymore. <laughs> I might have told that story. I can't remember. But anyway, so that's what happened. I had that, and then... Uh, I had that. And then, oh yeah, sorry. I'm getting the high is settling in from the bong. So basically what I'm saying is this should be a really good pre-roll. This uh, What we're going to do is we're gonna, I'm going to smoke the peach rings um, just because it's more of a sativa, and the rainbow sherb is an indica. And... I don't really want to go indica right now. I would prefer to ride this uh, sativa high because, like, my tongue doesn't even properly work right. <laughs> but, yeah, general admissions infused pre-rolls are fucking amazing, okay? And uh, they'll get you banned from bringing them over to your friend's house because their wives will get really pissed off at you. <laughs> um, what else? They're really good high. Though, after that night, I bought myself another one. Because I was like, well, I want to see this. Because I really only got four puffs off. Like, at the time, those ones were full grams. Um, so, I decided to buy myself one. I smoked that in one sitting, and it wasn't nearly as strong as that first one. So, I don't know. But then again, I did tell Bo that I was smoking this thing, this bong, Kong the bong, rather enthusiastically lately. Because I had to build up my tolerance to be able to hit that for the beginning of the show and then keep talking. Because like I explained last episode... Um, this thing, dude, <laughs> it will ruin you if you're not prepared. And you got to smoke the right things in it, for sure, because it's a lot. It's, it's not something you'd hit all the time, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, yeah, so uh, I totally forgot my train of thought. Fuck, I was thinking of too many things because I wanted to clarify some stuff from the last episode too. So I know that on the show I only drank one glass of that weed arita. Dude, I was high as balls, okay? Everything was hilarious to me. 
It didn't matter. Somebody could have said poopoo caca and I would have laughed for 45 minutes, <laughs> right? But so I drank the one drink on the show. I ended up over the course, it was too much for one person to drink. So if you're going to make that weed arena, do it when you're having a party and you have like multiple people dipping into this jug of weed, okay? Because it's too much for one person. It's not that the, the like, I could see somebody drinking it and being, you know, not getting overwhelmed and high. But the thing is, it's very sour. <laughs> it's very, very sour. For whatever reason, weed drinks are super sour. And when you add them all together like that, it's like compounded super sour. So, yeah, it's just, you know, keep in mind that if you're going to make that much, make it for a party. Because Dave didn't even drink it, which is fine. I don't care. But the bottom line is, is if you're going to make that drink, make it for a group. Don't just make it for yourself. You won't get through it. I got, I'm telling you, I got three quarters through the jug and then I still had a giant bowl upstairs and that bowl upstairs I had to just toss it like I didn't even get into it because what ends up happening is the oil from the fucking that I poured in on top like just the straight up like oil drops that stuff um coagulates on top and then it becomes like a gelatin and I'm not so sure you should eat it after that so I just dumped it all and got rid of it but I think because of the mixture of all the different ingredients, it hits you way harder. Like, Dave was right. We did the math again the next day, and it was uh, it was 60 milligrams per, like, pint, right? But for whatever reason, the mix of all those different things made it so much better. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was so good, man. The high off it was awesome because it was all sativa, except for, except for, which one was it? Um... The cherry lozenges that I smashed up, those were an indica. But yeah, other than that, everything else was sativa. So it just gave me the fucking giggles. Oh yeah, and then after, so after the session so from last week, I end up going upstairs. Dave and I throw on a movie. We're just sitting there baked as hell, right? Because after that, Dave and I smoked again. And then uh, I was sitting on the couch and I was eating granola bars. <laughs> so I would take one bite of a granola bar and then it would be in my mouth. <laughs> And I would fall asleep with the chunk in my mouth. I'd wake up and then start eating it again. <laughs> Eat that piece, take another bite, pass out again for like seconds. Just for seconds. And then wake back up and start eating it. It was a pretty good time. Until Dave was finally like, hey man, we should probably like head to bed, you know. So. Yeah, it was uh, it was a good time. And the weed arena, you know, if I'm going to say, I'd say try it. i say do it. I mean, with caution, because like I said, it is 500 milligrams of THC, so it is a lot. It's quite a bit. Um, but that's why you should always listen <laughs> to your bud tender, <laughs> okay? I know not all bud tenders are created equal. <laughs> I know not everybody is in the game to actually educate people and really understand. And yes, some people just can't get it for whatever for whatever purpose, right? But what I'm saying is, is that if you're looking for new things to try and you're looking for a little bit of direction, trust your bud tender. Because whether or not they get it exactly right or get all the facts of it right, they do have a better idea of what's new, what's potent, what's not because of the people that they're around at the shop. Like I know, for example, the one I work at, we all exchange all the different types of information that you possibly can. So whether th something's good, something's bad, doesn't matter what it tastes like, um, how it hits. And not everybody has the same taste. Everybody has, you know, whatever works for you, works for you. 
But there is a certain point <laughs> where, you know, you should be able to trust your bud tender to give you a proper recommendation to get you to where you want to be in the best way possible. That's what I always tell customers. That's what I'm here for. And yeah, so, <coughs> so one of the things that I wanted to talk about was the fact that um, as a bud tender myself, in the beginning, I always have the, I had these, all, all these different people coming in going like, I've smoked forever, you can't tell me what I want, what I need, what's good, what's bad. Like I told, I told you in the one episode, okay, about the lady that I was trying to talk to about Terps, and she goes, oh, you're one of those guys. <laughs> and then she rolls her eyes at me, and boom, hits the fucking, hits her husband with her head. She rolled her eyes so hard, she fell into her husband. So that's what you're dealt with. That's what you have to deal with on a regular basis as a bud tender. You have to sort of, you have like two stigmas to break. You have to get pe some people around the idea that weed is bad still. And some people come in and you can tell that they're a little apprehensive about what, about being in the shop, okay? So you have to sort of win them over and you have to normalize the spot that they're in in terms that they understand so that they can then let loose and be okay with shopping in a shop like that, right? So that's one thing as a bud, that's one sort of like adversarial situation as a bud tender that you have to deal with, especially in Canada, because there's a lot of people that come in like, ooh, I don't know, like, I had to correct one guy the other day, okay? He kept telling me, he's like, I overdosed on this, I overdosed on that. I was like, hold on, dude, <laughs> okay? First of all, overdose is, much different than what you're talking about. You had too much and you passed out. That is not an overdose. So let's stop saying that. He was doing it in the middle of the shop. He was just basically yelling about how, you know, in the shop, or yelling in the middle of the shop how he was, uh, how he had too much and he was overdosing. And so I had to explain to him, like, you cannot overdose from weed. You can't die from weed. He was like, I thought I was going to die. I'm like, you'd be the first person ever. So we're kind of going back and forth. And finally, I explained to him, like, you can't say you were overdosing because it's not, the, that's not the fact. Like, that's not actually what was going on there. So, anyway, he, uh, he finally stopped saying it. <laughs> and I won him over after having this conversation about, you know, uh, CBD and CBN because he was trying to figure out a good combination of products that would help him fall asleep. Okay, so he was a little apprehensive about the THC stuff, but with the CBN, he found that it was working for him. So, as we were talking, I started to realize that one of the other parts to the job is not just, um, you know, trying to get people okay with buying weed and being in the shop and being familiar and letting their personality go because that's really, as a bud tender, that's how you sort of um, help somebody pick what they want, what they need, right? You get a flavor for how they are, what their end result is, and then you figure out, okay, these products would probably hit the best. And you also find out if they've smoked before, what their favorite strains are and things like that and then you go from there you figure out what stuff will work for them based on what you know okay and as long as you stick with what you know you'll be able to give somebody a nice a good recommendation that will have them come back to you again right 
So I'm going to light this peach rings in a second. I'm going to get to the end of this story. I'm really high right now. <laughs> so it's coming. Don't worry. <laughs> and we'll move on to something else. Fuck, I forgot an ashtray again. Dude. All right. We're doing it again, folks. We are reaching into the weed. We're reaching into the weed cabinet. And we are picking out the old grinder. <laughs> the old grinder is going to be the ashtray for today. So wicked for that. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I got to get an ashtray specifically for down here. Okay, where was I? I was talking about... fuck was I talking about? Shit. <laughs> Do you remember what I was talking about? Fuck. Oh yeah, I was talking about how as a bud tender, you have you have you have you have to battle against people, not battle, but you have to like win people over that come into the shop that are apprehensive about it, and then you also have to win people over um, with your suggestion and your knowledge and your ability to give them the end result that they want, right? So that's what I always say to people. Um, when they come to the shop is that like my goal here is to get you to where you want to be in the best way possible So I ask a lot of questions about what they smoke how they smoke how often they smoke whether they use a bong a pipe whatever um, What their favorite strains are? <sighs> Normally I ask just what their favorite strain is but then eventually over the that question and answer period you become buddies because you treat it you don't you treat the interaction as if you are in um as if you're in the garage or your buddy's basement picking up, right? Like, oh, I got this new cool shit, try it out. That kind of thing, you know? That's how you have to treat the the greeting and the and the conversation that you have with the customer. So fi I find that getting through that gets you a lot of a lot of variety of people <laughs> that that for the most part are pretty chill, pretty chill, right? But there's a few that are dead set against you buying, uh, against you picking anything for them. And then they tell you that they're smoking, you know, one of the cheaper brands of weed or the stuff. And when I say cheaper, here's the thing. Whenever you buy cheaper weed, at, uh, not always, but like for the standard ones. And in Canada, most people know what the standard ones are. It's the dry stuff, maybe in a white green container, just saying. <laughs> Okay, so when you buy something like that, your high, sure, might be comparable or close to some of the more expensive stuff, but when you're paying for the more expensive stuff, you're getting a much better butt, a better cultivated, better finished, um, better presented butt. So the high is going to be more intense for sure, but what I'm saying is there is not a large gap of difference from what you find at the bottom of you know the the lower end of the economical scale <laughs> at a weed shop in Canada than you do at the high end. The biggest difference is the quality of the bud after time, over time, right? So the bottom of the barrel ones that I'm talking about, they are very dry. The smoke is harsh. The flavor's not there. It's just a quick, easy grab some of this and get a little bit high with your buddies because you don't have a lot of cash. But if you're an actual seasoned smoker, you pay the extra little bit of money so that you get something nice, right? To be able to pass that knowledge on to somebody that's a customer that's, whether they're a new smoker or like an old smoker, I love it. It brings a nice 
camaraderie to it. It makes it feel like it's the garage, you know, back in the day, picking up some weed at your buddy's garage or in his basement, whatever the deal was. That's what I like about being a bud tender slash key holder, I think. It's the interaction with people, and you get to do the shit you would do anyway. I don't do anything different than I would, like, I do this at the shop. This <laughs> is the same, it's the same thing. <laughs> I just be me. I'm apparently good at weed. <laughs> That's what I found out. And I really enjoy it. But sometimes, <laughs> you get some fucking assholes <laughs> that come into the shop and cause you some grief. <laughs> now, if you've been following this podcast, you know that I used to work concert security because I've told you some of the stories. So the other day when I was at work, we had this distraught gentleman come in. And we've had people come in before that tell you all kinds of crazy bullshit. My favorite, ooh, that is tasty. Oh, I just lit the peach rings. For those of you not watching, I just lit the peach rings. It tastes like peach. It's like biting into a peach. It's delicious. That was the first hit off that, and it tasted so good. Wow. Um, but I expect nothing less from General Admission. Their, their flavor, their joints, their carts, everything seems to be on point with what they say it is. It is that. Oh, So the other day at the shop, I've had customers tell me to go fuck myself. I've had customers tell me, you know, all kinds of different shit. Call me an asshole, dickhead, whatever. But the other day, we had a... There was a gentleman that was having a pretty rough day, I think. I was out back having a... Or no, first... How should I... How can I explain this? So first, he came into the shop and tried to buy something. He went to pay and his... Uh, unfortunately, his card got declined. So he went out to call somebody. And then I go out back with my, uh, with my uh, co-worker, and we're outside having a smoke. Well, all of a sudden, we hear some yelling and screaming just beyond the little, like, grassy knoll onto the sidewalk. What is going on here? There's, like, floaties all over. What are these floaties? That's <laughs> so weird. Uh, sorry. <laughs> so anyway, so we're looking over this grassy knoll, and there's this dude, and he's just screaming and yelling and losing his fucking mind, right? So it looks like to me that basically what happened was he dropped his phone when he was crossing the road and then a car ran over it and he started freaking out on the cars to stop. So he starts walking the opposite direction of the shop. So I'm like, fuck it, I don't have to worry about this. So we go back inside. As soon as we go back inside, I'm sitting down, I look up on the camera and this dude comes walking in the front door screaming and yelling about getting... Um, about getting, uh, having to use a phone because his phone's broken. So my coworker there, she calms him down, lets him use the phone. This guy, as he's using the phone, I figure, you know what, I better go out front just to make sure nothing squirrely happens, you know, because he was close enough to the door at the back that, like, you don't want him going back there. You don't want him losing his shit completely. So as I come out the door, he starts screaming at the person on the phone to come and pick him up. And I'm like, oh, great, we're going to have, like, this, like, psycho screaming and yelling in the store well I go stand by the front of the door because we have these little stantons that you pull across like the entrance tape right so that's across the thing I'm standing there waiting so that he makes sure he doesn't bump into any customers or freak out on customers that are coming in while he leaves 
So he, he gets off the phone, he starts coming towards me. I grab the Stanton, I let some customers in quickly. He comes at me, fucking body checks me. <laughs> Dude, if this was concert security, that motherfucker would have been down. <laughs> down, I say. <laughs> okay? So, because I'm a professional, I let the Stanton go so that he could just go through the door. And I, uh, and I just go, you know, hey, man, calm the fuck down. Or I go, hey, calm down. And he turns around, and he gets right in my face. He starts fucking yelling. I don't flinch. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I don't flinch. So this guy's screaming in my face. So I just tell him, get out of the store. But not only is he screaming, he's calling me all kinds of weird fucking names, you know, like the F word, not fuck the other one. And then also telling me he's going to kill me and kill the people in the store and all this shit. He went off the rails, dude. So then um, he leaves. I go, all right, we're done. So I put the Stanton back in place. Well, as soon as I click it back in place, this motherfucker is standing out front screaming and yelling again like he was out on the road, right? So I go, well, we can't have that. <laughs> so I basically open the door, and I stand with the door between me and him. And I go, hey, man, look, I know you're having a bad day. I know that, like... You're waiting for a ride, but you can't stand in front of the store and scream and yell like that. You're going to have to move down the way a bit. This dude jumped up off his ass, like literally without, I don't know how he did it, but he was on his butt and then he was like standing and he was screaming in my face again, calling me the F word, telling me he hoped I died. He hoped he could kill me. He wanted to do this and all that stuff. He's jumping at me like this, right? He comes right close to my face. I don't flinch. Because I figure, I'm like, I got a plan. If he gets too, too close, like uncomfortable close, I'm going to hit him with the door. <laughs> it's pretty simple. <laughs> you know? So I'm not too scared about what's going to happen. Because all I got to do is hit him with the door, close the door, lock it, call 911. I've already at this point yelled into the store to say, hey, get ready to call 911. Turn back to this guy and I go, hey, man, look, you got two options, okay? Either you could go down the way and go home tonight. Or you can stay here doing exactly what you're doing here, or and I'll call the cops, and then you can go down to print like down to the down to jail for the night. Which one would you prefer? This dude lunges at me. Okay, again, don't flinch. But this dude lunges at me, and he goes, "If I could kill you, I fucking would." And I was like, "Okay, cool. Call the cops." <laughs> so sure enough, they call the cops. This motherfucker. Dropped everything he had and takes off. I'm like, hey man, don't forget your phone and your card. Comes running back, grabs it all, goes, yelled something like, I hope you die from cancer or some bullshit, and then took off the other way. That's a dude right there <laughs> that needs a bud tender's recommendation. <laughs> okay? I know he was having a bad day. He was probably off his meds. I don't know. It was crazy. It was crazy. So I had to have him banned from the store. That was kind of cool though, because I didn't want to do it. Um, but I kind of had to, once the cops were called, they had to go talk to him. But, uh, yeah, man, if some people don't get their shit, they freak the fuck out. And those people I find could benefit the most from a bud tender's suggestion because the stuff that they're smoking just gives them a headache and they complain. Everybody that smokes this cheap batch stuff has the same complaints. It sucks, it blows, it's the worst fucking thing, it's so dry, it turns into dust, it's all this, it's all that. Then when they're done telling you how horrible it all is, they buy it. What are you doing? 
<laughs> you know what you need to do? You need to listen to the bud tender going, hey, how about this? How about don't buy that stuff this time? How about buy something else? <laughs> good bud tenders know what they're doing and will give you a good recommendation. Yes, you're not always going to get the best service, but that's the same anywhere you go. So ideally, you build a, um, you build a relationship with your local bud tender at the shop that you like and you go back to them to find out. I'm at a shop, luckily, where everybody has pretty good recommendation. There's very few that don't know what they're talking about. So that's always, like that's a bonus. But I, don't, I hate it when people say, oh, I don't like asking a bud tender. At, but I, under, I hate it, but I also understand why. Because I hate it from two sides. I hate it from the one side where, you know, uh, you don't wanna ask a bud tender because you don't think that they can give you the knowledge or give you the thing that you want. And I hate it from the side where there's not enough good knowledgeable bud tenders to erase that sort of stigma. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's where I'm kind of at with this whole thing. I realized that last statement made no sense. <laughs> These peach rings are pretty fucking good, man. I'm high as shit. <laughs> okay, so now it's time for... What do you think? It's time for some weed facts, baby. That's right. It's time for some weed facts. Yay! <laughs> I like playing with sounds. <laughs> so this week's weed facts are by techpose.ca articles. Uh, predictions for the Canadian cannabis market. I figured let's see if uh, some of my theories were right about the cannabis market. So I figured that, you know, things are a little stuffy right now. There's too much, there's too many shops out there. Um, regulations are a little too uh, tight. Um, but I do see some growth. And I think what's going to happen is essentially that um, the shops that have, you know, more, obviously more power, more money behind them are going to, are going to last. But, uh, the ones that actually have chains have some, have something other than just weed going on are going to be the ones that, that, uh, you know, come out on top in the next probably two to three years. That's just me guessing. I mean, obviously I've read these, read these, but I've also thought that. So here with, uh, weed facts, weed fact number one, this week's weed fact is <laughs> I don't know, I'm high, I'm a dork. <laughs> okay, so weed fact number one. Uh, there's going to be continued growth. Sales have continued... Uh, okay, did I, I already said where this was from. This is from techpose.ca articles, predictions for the Canadian cannabis market. So, sales have continued uh, a steady upward trajectory for four years into the adult use market. And as per MJ Biz Daily which is, uh, I think, a magazine. Yeah, MJ Biz Daily, Mary Jane Marijuana, Mary Jane Biz Daily. Uh, 2022 sales will likely hit 4.8 billion in Canada. And that's an expected 13.4% compound annual growth rate until, what? That's an, an expected 13.4% compound annual growth rate, Jesus, until 2030. Although they didn't actually it's still lower than what they expected. They actually expected higher growth and it came out at this, which is still, I mean, that's a lot of fucking money. <laughs> okay. 
Weed fact number two, increased competition. <clears throat> there are still a lot of people trying to buy into the market. Um, and with prices falling, well, here, let's just read this. Price, prices continue to fall in Canada. The price of vape pens and concentrates each fell sharply by 35%, flour by 16%, and edibles by 11%. This is likely due to steep competition. There are about 800 individually licensed, licensed cannabis producers in Canada, split into recreational, which is one-third, and med, uh, medicinal, which is two-thirds. Canada is only four years into legalization, and the market has yet to even out. So basically, it's overpopulated. I mean, it's like fucking Tim Hortons. I mean, there's there. you know what? It's even worse than that, because like there's plazas, little like plaza spots where you can have one and then another one, right, like a couple doors down. It's messed up. It's too many people. It's too much. Mom and pop shops aren't going to make it. But I think that some people may, their motivation for getting in on this may be the idea that they're going to get bought out by a bigger company if they can make some quick coin. I don't know. Could be. Could be a quick investment hop in and out. So you'll see over the next couple years, a bunch of those mom and pop shops get gobbled up by the bigger chains. And uh, yeah, which I mean, you already see happening anyway. I've had customers come in saying buddies of theirs have a pot, have a pot shop and they've been approached by the company that I work for about, you know, making a deal. I don't know anything about it other than them mentioning that. So like, it's obviously already happening. It's, um, yeah, it's kind of like the wild west right now. Everybody's out there, but not everybody can survive. And, uh, some people just don't have like the awesomeness <laughs> to keep it all together. <laughs> All right, weed fact number three. Large producers and franchise, franchises will stick, which is like what I just said. There will likely be an increase, uh, increased number of mergers and acquisitions over the coming year. A market with more than 800 producers is not sustainable. Six major players will come to dominate the entire sector in only a few short years. This will help stabilize the Canadian cannabis market. The same holds true for the small cannabis retailers, many of which are finding it difficult to compete with the larger franchise brands expanding across Canada. Low prices combined with supply chain issues are reducing gross profit margins. So again, that's from uh, techpose.ca, their predictions for the Canadian cannabis market. I'll put the link to that on uh, tots420.com so that you can check it out this weekend. They had some pretty informative stuff on there. Proves their website, <laughs> but yeah. So basically, what you can expect is this oversaturation of pot shops to <coughs> even themselves out in the next few years. But I really do actually wonder if people, because I hadn't thought about it till right now, but I do wonder if people are actually in it to, you know, turn a store over real quick, like make quick cash, then have them have it get bought out. I mean, it wouldn't be a bad idea. But then, what do you do if you're the company that buys out the shop? the two shops in the same fucking strip mall do you just like dissolve one because why would you have two that far that close to each other i don't know that's why i'm not running the business i'm just asking the questions <laughs> that's what i'm saying <laughs> oh but yeah just like our customers <laughs> the dude for real facts this week I don't have a button for the dude for real facts yet. What's this one? Oh, that's not a good one. What's this? Oh, there we go. Dude for real facts. No, I don't like that. No. 
dude for real. <laughs> That's so dumb. That's bad. I gotta figure out a better dude for real button. What about? Four, three, two, one. Dude for real. That's not bad. Maybe we'll use that one. <laughs> if you're still watching this, you better let me know. <laughs> for the dude for real facts this week, I'm talking, these are facts that are kind of silly, just like the uh, customers that I've talked about lately, the ones that want to buy the same shit and complain about it, instead of leveling their game up. Although, like I said, our shop is pretty good at having customers come back and be like, you know what? You guys don't steer us wrong. So, like, that's a big... That's a big thing, but then again, that's me just tuning my own horn. So hopefully some customers watch this maybe, and you can like, you know, you know the one I'm talking about. Let everybody know online. That's all I'm saying. How great a shop it is and what we do. Because I think we have a good spot. It's like cheers. It's like cheers for weed. <laughs> it's awesome. All right, so just like those awesome, just like the awesomeness that is the shop, these are awesomely weird and funky dude for real facts. This one is about Cold War condoms. <laughs> During the Cold War, the United States and the Soviet Union fought in proxy wars, the space race, and sports. They used all kinds of methods from spying to psychological warfare. Both sides loved to use propaganda campaigns against each other. The Americans took an interesting approach. In the late 1950s, the CIA launched an operation to drop hundreds of balloons over Soviet-controlled Europe. <laughs> The balloons included propaganda and large condoms. The idea was to shake the enemy's confidence by implying the Americans were well endowed. How about that? <laughs> that, that I don't know if that is true. <laughs> and this is from, okay, sorry, I didn't read the thing. This is uh, from nextluxury.com forward slash interesting forward slash weird dash history dash stories forward slash I'll put it on Todd's420.com under dude for real and you can check it out but yeah so basically the Americans in, in, in this if it's true <laughs> we're basically like hey I got a big dick don't piss me off <laughs> and then people were like oh, okay I don't know <laughs> would it really seems very frat boyish but I guess if you're gonna do something all right dude for real fact number two Benjamin Franklin electrocuted himself by making a turkey. I haven't actually read this one. I just thought the headline was funny, so hopefully it's funny. <laughs> the thing about history is it sometimes gets events wrong. For instance, many people believe Benjamin Franklin discovered electricity when lightning struck his kite and electrocuted him in 1752. However, Franklin didn't discover electricity as it had been around for centuries. Benjamin did fly a kite in a thunderstorm, but lightning didn't hit the kite. He did get a, a minor static shock from the kite, which was enough to prove his theory. He was electrocuted, but not that night, with the kite. How many times do I have to say kite? <laughs> Holy jeez. In 1749, Benjamin tried to cook a turkey by electrocuting it. <laughs> Instead, Franklin <laughs> electrocuted himself and barely remembered the event. <laughs> Dude, it's like a Simpsons episode. <laughs> You're fucking kidding me. Does it ever amaze you <laughs> that the people that were in politics, even though, yes, sometimes they found good things and, like, progressed society and did all this and that, might have been a little whoop. 
I guess you gotta be a little crazy to try stupid shit, right? I don't know. <laughs> Alright, dude for real fact number three. Edwin Booth saved Robert Todd Lincoln's life. Yes, that Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln's son, I believe. So here we go. And Edwin Booth was John Wilkes Booth's cousin, I think. Or brother, brother. On April 14, 1865, actor John Wilkes Booth snuck into Ford's theater and murdered the 16th president, Abraham Lincoln. It's one of the most critical moments in every history book. However, a weird historical event occurred a few months before the assassination. Lincoln's son, Robert Todd Lincoln, waited for a train on a New Jersey platform. A rush of people moved forward and Robert Todd fell onto the train tracks. However, a hero stepped in and pulled the young Lincoln off the tracks. The hero turned out to be John Wilkes Booth's brother, Edwin Booth. A few months later, his brother would become American history's greatest villain. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> That's crazy though, right? The brother saves the son. The other brother kills the father. That's got to be some Shakespeare shit. <laughs> no? <laughs> I don't know. Those are the dude for real facts this week. They're ridiculous, as usual. And if they're true, awesome. And again, you can find that at tots420.com, the Dude For Real Facts page. And you can read the whole article that has a whole bunch more other, that, other stuff like that. And it is, again, from nextluxury.com forward slash interesting forward slash weird dash history dash stories forward slash. But yeah, some of these are pretty funny. They're pretty crazy, too. They're supposed to be true. So yeah, you can check them out. I guess those are my thoughts for this week. I hope you enjoyed the sesh. I hope you come back next week with me, Justin Baroni, on Thoughts Off the Stem on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iTunes. I think iTunes. I don't know if that's still a thing. <laughs> Good Pods, Podchaser. Everywhere you get a podcast, it's out there. YouTube, the Weed Tube. Um, I'm going to start posting them on... What's it called? There's, an, there's another app. I can't remember what it is. Rumble. So if you're on Rumble, check that out. Um, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter, at Tots420, on Instagram, Thoughts Off The Stem, uh, Facebook, Thoughts Off The Stem. I'm going to uh my way out of here. <laughs> anyway, I hope you enjoyed the sesh. I hope you come back next week. Until then, check out Tots420 for more content. The We to Rita YouTube. Subscribe, like, tell your friends. Help me out. Let's get this thing going. Let's get some, some more viewers. More and more. I love you guys, but give me more. Help me out. <laughs> How's that for a pitch at the end? <laughs> Until next time, keep your lids low, baby. <laughs>